Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Hey friends, so glad to have you join us on our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. Before uh, we go into what uh, what we have in store for you today, just want to urge you to be a part of other social media ways of following the church. We do a lot that we do not publish here on the podcast. Um, last week we published another section on the nature, design, and rules of the United Societies. And uh, I, I really think that's a worthy thing for Methodists in particular to listen to. But also uh, an interview slash conversation I had with a local pastor. I'm going to be sitting down and doing another one of those uh, uh, this week, actually, with the Baptist pastor in Lenapaw, a young man I like a lot. And um, anyway, just uh, I, I wouldn't be producing this stuff if I didn't think that there was a need for it, if I didn't think it was beneficial. I'm not trying to just fill up your inbox and fill up your schedule. Although I do think it is important for believers to fill up our schedule with things that um, bring us closer to the Lord and one another. So I, I feel no shame in, in doing that, but I also think what we do is not just filler. I think it's really high quality stuff. I, I look regularly at what's on the Christian landscape of media, and it's either sugary stuff uh, stuff that really doesn't give much long-term sustenance or spiritual maturity, or it's so high-minded that it's only for really a subset of Christians. And really, I think, um, and I don't mean this in a braggadocious way, but I've very intentionally done a number of things on a level that I think is for everyone, not just high-minded stuff, but it also is primarily meat and not milk. And if you don't, if you don't know those spiritual categories, then uh, crack open your Bible. All right. So that's that's the end of my plug for uh, being more tuned in to the stuff we're putting out there. The setup for this podcast today is this is the proclamation of the word from this last Sunday. In the four previous Sundays, I preached through a chapter of Philippians at a time. So this last Sunday, what I did was just read Philippians through. I gave a little break in between chapters for people to respond. And then at the end, we had a conversation about practical implementation of what we learned in Philippians, how how our lives are changed by it, how we are equipped by this particular portion of God's holy word. Um, so if, uh, you know, I, I think it's good just to sit and listen to the whole thing, to be honest with you, especially if you've listen to the four previous ones. This is fitting it all together, seeing all the themes come up. And I do give just short editorial highlighting of themes. I I hope that this is something that equips you and makes you feel like, hey, I really do know uh, intimately part of God's Word. And I I hope it gives you comfort. I hope it uh, holds your feet to the fire a bit and uh, that it not only blesses you, but it equips you to be a blessing to others. That's a that's a whole point of what we're doing here, one of the points. Okay, I'm going to be done talking, and uh, let's just go ahead and, and uh, attune our ears to the message from this last Sunday. Blessings. Okay, so what I want to o- invite you to do is grab your pew Bibles. 
I want you to know where Philippians is. Let's see. Sorry, I'll find it. I should have the page number on here. 1823, thank you, Johnny. 1822 is where it begins. I've preached on a chapter in Philippians the last four weeks. So a chapter a week. I've preached through the whole book. I know some of you haven't been here all four Sundays. A couple of you hadn't been here any of the Sundays. That's still okay. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to read straight through. I'm not going to preach. I've already preached on all this, okay? So if there's, there's something that comes up in here that uh, you're going, I don't understand this. Well, we, we save all of our services online. You can find them or I can, uh, I can send you a link. Um, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to read through this. Whenever I began doing this, I told you, I want you to feel like you know the book of Philippians. That, that you can leave this place and say, here's what I love about the book of Philippians. Here's how my faith is affected and impacted by the book of Philippians. So uh, I know that the tendency we have is to hear scriptures in worship and then go home and think about other things. I'm going to read scriptures that we have heard recently that hopefully are familiar to you to try and ingrain them into you more. And then if we have enough time at the end of worship, I'm actually going to put you on the spot a little bit and talk about how does this impact our daily faith, what we encounter in here. The only other thing I'm going to say before we, we start reading, and by we I mean I and you follow along, is um, there are themes in this book. One is the theme of suffering. Look at that. Look at the theme of sanctification, growing in holiness. That's what sanctification means. What, how does he paint a portrait of that in here? And then also rejoicing. You're going to find the word take joy or rejoice in here more than a dozen times. So uh, this letter written from prison, uh, from a man who's suffering, looking at that, and then finally the theme of interconnectedness. He talks about how our faith is bind to, bound to Christ Jesus himself, but also to one another. So this is against an individualistic, selfish face, faith. It's not just me and Jesus, it's also me and you. It's all of us tied together. So look at, look at those themes and how Paul weaves them together. I'm sure there are other themes that you can look at, but those are the ones I wanted to encourage you towards today. Okay, um, we're going to dive in now, and then I'll stop at the end of each chapter, and if somebody has something to say, I'm going to make space for you. So don't be too mean to me, okay? All right, Philippians chapter 1, listen to the word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, 
so that you may be able, able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's that theme of sanctification I was talking about. He's aiming at us growing in holiness. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, from, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I, I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. All right, let's take a break. Let's take a breath. We've covered a lot already. Is there anything to be said about any of that? Cody says, nope, it's all plain and true. Well, sure, yeah. Anything for the upbuilding of the body? Any, any, anything that you think would be good just to make sure we're all on the same page about? Otherwise, I'm going to go on. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being 
like-minded, having the same love being one in spirit and one mind. Here's that interconnectedness theme. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's the connectedness thing. We're connected to Jesus, have his same mindset. Verse 6, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. There's that sanctification bit. Yeah, don't grumble, don't argue, become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's about us and who we're supposed to be. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad, and I rejoice with all of you. You see how often that word rejoice is coming up? Over and over. I'm re- even if I'm tortured in prison and die, I'm rejoicing because it's resulting in your sanctification. Verse 18, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. There's that interconnectedness bit, right? If I'm rejoicing, you should rejoice too. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him 
in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Okay, let's take another breather. Covered a lot more territory. Anything to be said about any of it for the upbuilding of the body? Anything important to clarify? I'm hoping that as we're going through this, you're going, oh yeah, I remember him preaching through this. Oh yeah, I remember thinking about this a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, and I see how this is all connected now. And if you didn't know this, every book in the Bible was made to be read straight through. Okay, so the way we read it normally is weird. Early Christians would look at us and go, wait, they only read little portions of that? They don't read the whole book? We're doing it the way that early Christians do it. They just sat there and they read through the whole book. And that's how they saw everything being connected. So let's keep doing the early Christian thing. Let's read chapter 3. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. You see that theme of suffering? <laughs> Could he be any more clear? <laughs> Verse 11, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this. Or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their, dis their destiny is destruction. Their God is the belly or their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly 
await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. There's that sanctification thing again, right? Okay, we're going to take another breather. There's only one more chapter to go. Everything fitting together as it ought? Everything making sense? I want it to hold together in our heads. Okay, let's do one more chapter together and then we'll reflect. Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Eudoya, and plead with Syndicate to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Once again, there's that interconnected thing. We've all worked together. Their fight is affecting me and you. Let's bring them together. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You just read an entire book of the Bible just now, and it wasn't even one of the shortest ones, four chapters. Good for you.
What I want to do now, uh, so the way that uh, a lot of Protestant preaching is done is they look at the sermon as an extension of the word. They read the Bible and talk about the Bible in the same place. I want to separate my words today from what we've just heard in the scriptures. I want to come down to the floor. We have 10 minutes. I want to have a practical conversation with you. So I'm going to go to my lav mic, my lavalier mic. We're just going to talk about practical application of this book. So keep keep your Bible open. We were in 1820s is where we were. All right, my mic's on, and you should be able to hear me. So let's talk very practically. Uh, there are many ways to talk about God's word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It is a sword that divides uh, soul from spirit. It is uh, a holy armament. It is armor for us. It is weaponry for us. It is a tool to be used. It's not just poetry to go in one ear and out the other. It is practical, instructive teaching from God through humans to us. So Philippians, these four chapters, what practical impact could it have on our lives? Is there any way that our lives could be different because of what we encounter in this book? Specifically, are there ways in which we could actually talk about it to other people? Here's how I live because of what Philippians tells me. So I, I just want to open it up. And, and you are not mic'd. Nobody can hear what you're saying but, uh, on there. But I'm curious to know, has anyone felt this speak to your life in any practical, practicable way? Or does this all seem just kind of high-minded and off to the side of your life? Don't tell me that second bit. I want to hear how it's practical. Go ahead, Mary Lee. Isn't it a positive book? So are all Paul's, Paul's books positive, or letters, are they all positive? What is the difference that determines whether or not it's a nice, happy letter like this one or a mean, correcting letter like 1 Corinthians? How the church is doing. So he acknowledges in Philippians several times, you guys have been doing a great job. You've been doing what I told you. You've been looking at my example. You've been gracious with your money. You've been uh, being persecuted for your faith. You've been faithful. But when they're wise in their own eyes and they're doing their own thing, then he writes a letter like Galatians where he wishes bodily harm on some people. Or 1 Corinthians where he makes fun of how smart they think they are. Um, so, yeah, merely I'm with you 100%. So long as we're remembering uh, the culture of the Christian church is not one of positive thinking and just having a good attitude. It's uh, earnestly reflecting on things. And there are some things to be really happy about and rejoice in. There are other things to really correct and get away from. And, but even Paul here in this letter, he's saying, even in the midst of this wickedness, I'm going to rejoice because there's a lot to rejoice in. Over at the Delaware Church, we talked a good deal about uh, relationships that they had with people who are not always rejoicing. Did you notice in here where it says, don't grumble or complain? There are a lot of people in this world who grumble and complain. I wonder how many of us would have it in us to say, hey, I love you. You're complaining too much. We're warned in God's holy word not to complain. You know what? We have a lot to rejoice in. I want to tell you why I'm rejoicing today. Some of you are laughing. You're thinking of somebody. I don't know who you're thinking of. <laughs> Complaining is not good. It's spiritually toxic. Now, even in the midst of suffering, you know, so 
Imagine this. Imagine you have a friend who's complaining and saying, I was reading Philippians the other day, and Paul was in the midst of prison, and he was being tortured, and people were picking on him, and he was about to die, and yet he was rejoicing. And, you know, I'm looking at his life, and then I'm looking at mine and going, I have it so good, I should be rejoicing. And you know what you're complaining to? You should be rejoicing, too. I think you need to read Philippians. How many of you could say something like that to somebody else? A lot of us, oh, I could never. Okay, I want you to raise your hand. Have you ever said anything unpleasant to anyone ever in your life? Raise your hand. There it is. Yeah, we all have. You're willing to do that. You've already proved it. You're willing to say something unpleasant. You're not willing to do that for Jesus? Now listen, the way I read my Bible is those who die outside a faithful covenant relationship with Jesus... Their names are blotted out of the book of life, and they will not receive the promise of the kingdom. In fact, there is an eternal damnation awaiting them. And unless we warn them, unless I warn them, they will not get the chance to repent and be saved from their sins. Go ahead, Jeff. Read it. To live is Christ but to die is gain. So for Paul, to live is, is Christ. For a lot of people, a lot of people are living outside of Christ, and he warns us about the dogs, right? Their God is the belly, their glory is in their shame. But Paul was living in Christ. He was encouraging people for Christ. He was building up the church for Christ, and that was a blessing. And he said, I hope I stay alive so I can bless you. But, but he said, even if I die, especially if I die, that's gain, that's better. I long to die and be with Christ. I remember there was a lady in a church I used to preach at, Shoshone, Idaho. Her name was Sharon. Uh, and we were in Bible study, and she said, I'm kind of excited to die. She wasn't suicidal at all. She just, it was a humble, I'm really eager to be with Jesus. And I thought, man, would I love to be there spiritually. Man, oh man, would I love to be there spiritually. And that's what Paul had. To be with Christ is gain for those of us who are already in Christ. To die for those who are outside of Christ is a great and sorrowful thing. Jesus talks about that, the death of the rich man and Lazarus. Y'all remember that story? They're, they're affair, the rich man goes straight to hell. The, Lazarus is in a good place in the bosom of Abraham. And even there, Lazarus is being tortured with flames. And he says, send Lazarus. The rich man is being tortured with flames. And he says, send Lazarus over to give me some water just to cool my tongue. And Abraham says, no can do. Your fate is sealed. I believe in that damnation, and that's why I believe we have to be taking what the Bible says, applying it to our lives so that we're not hearers of the word only, but we're also doers, and we have something to say. Hey, I've read Philippians a number of times, and here how, here's how that has impacted my life. I've realized I shouldn't complain as much. I've realized I should be rejoicing all the time. I should be praying and sharing my life with God all the time. I should be seeking peace and be a peacemaker all the time. I should be suffering. I should be willing to suffer. I should be willing to suffer even as Christ suffered. And I will have confidence in Christ even till my dying day. Now, that's my language for it. I'm up here. I'm the preacher putting my, my brain and my words to it. What is your language? That's the confrontational thing I'm doing right now. Because we're about to leave this place, and you know lots of people outside of this place. You know a lot of people who don't know Jesus and don't love Jesus, and they need to receive some encouragement from you. You also know some people who think they love Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They're not in faithful covenant with Jesus. And if they died tomorrow, he would not welcome them into his kingdom. Are you going to say anything to them? 
You hate them so much you're going to stay silent? I hope that hurts somebody here. I'm trying to hurt you with that. Because one day they're going to die. And you're either going to carry the sorrow. I never told them. They had no idea. Or you're going to disrupt and distort the Bible so that you go, oh, they made it anyway. And do not lie to yourself. People who are not in faithful covenant with Jesus will not inherit the kingdom. People who persist in unrepentant sin will not be greeting you when you enter into the pearly gates of heaven. Whatever that entry point is, they're not going to be there. You have today. Warn them. Encourage them. Talk to them about what you've learned in the Bible. And then put the rest in God's hand. Work out your salvation with, anybody remember what he said in here? Fear and trembling. That's the kind of humble servants God deserves. Brothers and sisters, we've reached the end of our time of worship. I want to ask you, I want to keep on doing it the way we've been doing it for this summer. I want to have a block of singing, block of prayer, block of scripture. I don't have a preference on what book we go to from here. Does anybody have a book you think would be good for all of us to read together? In the Bible, I mean to say, a book of the Bible. Revelation. I am not ready for that. <laughs> it would be, no, we all, we all do need to hear Revelation. Uh, we got Romans and James. Those are both excellent books. I've preached on James before, but I'm never going to get tired of preaching on James. I want to see a show of hands between, uh, you can only vote once, okay? You can't vote for twice. We're going to vote between Romans and James, and it's not that anything's wrong with Revelation. It's just, it's 22 chapters. I don't think we have enough weeks between now and then, and uh, I can only dip into Revelation headspace a little bit. I would go, I went kind of nuts. Okay, so um, between Romans and James, if you would like to do Romans, raise your hand. One, two, three, four. Is that a hand up? No. If you'd like to do James, raise your hand. One, two, you can't vote twice, Susie. One, two, put it back up. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, James wins. Next week, we're going to tackle James. It's five chapters. Um, I want to encourage you, if you enjoyed today, if you enjoy what we're doing, read it ahead of time. Drill this in. James is an excellent book to be the backbone of your faith. But you know what? So is Romans. So I think we're going to do Romans after James. But um, go ahead and read it. Drill it in. We'll talk it through together. And then by the time we're done with James, uh, we can also read James in one sitting. And I hope that likewise informs your faith. Go home today. Read through Philippians again if you can. Who here has an extra 15 minutes that is not scheduled for later today? Okay, go home and read Philippians, okay? All right, let's stand and sing our closing hymn about the interconnectedness of our faith. Blessed be the tie that binds, number 557.